Okay, ladies, now that we got rid of the guys and we got rid of the facility managers, we can talk health and kids, right? Yes. So I do want to bring something up, Dave. Um, something that we maybe didn't even really think about as we had those facility managers on here. I also want to call attention to the fact that Missouri has about 60% of their districts with less than 1,000 students. And we have about 40% of our districts that have less than 500 students. So they may not have a facilities manager like you know these guys are blessed to have. Um, so the school nurses there too have had to play even a bigger role in um, learning more, doing more, watching for more. You know, I just can't sing the praises enough of our school nurses. That's you know, I, I used I used to work with the Missouri Association of Rural Education back when I lived in Missouri, and so you know, of course, that is all those small schools you're talking about, and and I I appreciate what you're saying because I was from the cleaning aspect of it, of course, but being in the cleaning industry. I get to touch on all of it. There's not any of it that I don't touch, uh, from facility managers to the nurse. And I, I, I was always, I was always perplexed how a lot of different departments didn't talk to each other. I think that's <laughs> what was interesting about this. Now is now I think everybody has learned to talk. Maybe not the same language, but I think we have a different appreciation and respect. Do we not? Yes. Sir. And so that being said, going forward, um, Renee, since you brought it up, in these small schools of less than 500, who's playing the role? Because I'm not sure the nurses know how to do all of this. I mean, well, are, we are we talking about the superintendent or the principal's got to do it now? I think they, again, all work together. Um, there are lots, we, we're doing education all the time through the Department of Health and Senior Services, offering different programs, different educational models. Um, we're doing one right now uh, about infection control, control practices called um, Missouri Kids Teams and working with um, individual districts regarding their infection control practices. So yeah, there's just, it's an ongoing educational um, message really. Well, and the education doesn't stop, thank you. Uh, it, 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 uh, it's always, and as we were saying with the guys there, you know, just because we're doing it today doesn't mean this is what we'll be doing next year. Although I would say, Yes, we've learned a lot. I think we have standardized more things. I don't think we actually learned as much as we standardized more things. Would that be a general statement? We still learned a lot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Terry, I see, your, I see your head keep bobbing up there. Uh, talk to us a little here. Well, you know, when COVID started, first of all, when we shut schools down across the country, all of a sudden, we're all sitting, shaking, trying to figure out how to get these kids safely back in school. So that's when I feel like um, district administrations, the health services providers that's within those districts, the maintenance, the facilities, um, the custodial crew, that's when we all had to start coming together to figure out how can we safely keep kids in school 
and try to prevent the spread of the pandemic at this time. And before we had never really worked together. So when I'm saying we're, we've learned a lot, yeah, I didn't have a lot of input into air filters or air quality previous to that, except for maybe for asthma reasons or, um, you know, fragrances in the air type thing. Then we got involved, but then now we're having to look at how do we truly prevent the disease from spreading at school and still maintain that good air quality so that um, we're not making it worse for ourselves using a whole lot of different chemicals and stuff that can cause some significant illnesses also. Well, as you're saying that though, Terry, I'm thinking, uh, all right, uh, you know, we went through this shutdown, we learned, what did we learn? And, uh, you know, that's where I'm kind of going now because, you know, at first, oh, COVID's on the surface, you know, let's disinfect it. Well, you know, for some of us, we knew better than that. And we also saw all of this, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm searching for the right politically correct word here, uh, nonchalant spraying of anything that I was like, that's going to cause just as much problem as anything else. Um, but are we going to go back to being masked all the time? Because there's a lot of these issues that are respiratory and still will be and always will be. Well, I think as some of the studies are showing that full-term masking or full-time masking also causes its own sets of problems. So I think you have to look at weighing the positives and the negatives and what really outweighs the other on that because we know that for some students having a mask on full-time really does affect their respiratory um, system and they can't do it plus if they're using cloth mask are they putting clean mask on every day um, what bacteria do we have growing in those masks um, and those kind of things are they an effective mask you know i think just masking saying let's mask on it of itself without doing what is best practice and looking and what needs to be masked for, what doesn't. I think there's a lot of debate still going on with that. So as Terry, as you're saying that, I'm, I'm just gonna give you ladies something in my brain, because like I said, I work with both sides of this coin, right? And I think about restroom odors mm -hmm. and the indoor air quality in a restroom. Now, of course, folks, I know you're listening to the podcast, you're going, oh, wait a minute, hold it. No, I am not taking it, talking about because somebody had a bean burrito at lunch. That's not the indoor air quality I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm talking about that static air that's always in the restroom. And then we come along with an air fresher and put it up there so that we, we, we mask over it. And I think about the mask on your face and I'm thinking it's simply just a Band-Aid on a larger problem because, you know, um, and here again, as that person suffering from a respiratory, I can't work with that mask on. I can't physically do those things with a mask on. And you can give me all the studies you want to, but my body tells me what it will do. Mm -hmm. Whoa. I, think, I, got, I got silence on that. Got silence that, on that, was, that was dead air on a podcast that's not good. <laughs> Well, that's a good point, though, you you know, when you talk about the um, bathroom odors, um, 
and the masking, you know, the masks aren't going to take away the odors for sure. And, you know, we saw some kids, their masks were filthy. I mean, they just had worn it day after day. Um, but when you mentioned about the bathroom odors, you know, we had a situation where someone was using, we, we actually had a contract, this was several years ago, with a company to come in and do the um, automatic scent things, um, dispensers in the bathrooms. <laughs> and they put in one scent and the nurse immediately started seeing several kids with asthma in her office and it, you know, alerted us. And it was, I think it was a scent of pina colada. So we had to tell them, don't ever use that. And then at the end of the year, we didn't renew that because, you know, I kept, you know, arguing that that's not good for the asthma, but everybody was more worried about the uh, smell in the bathroom. My thing is, let's clean the bathrooms better and try to do away with the odor instead of trying to mask it with something that's going to bother our kids with asthma. Or you also have kids that, you know, migraines are triggered by scents. Yes. And I think that's what you're talking. Indoor air quality isn't just a a lung issue, it has more issues than that, ladies. Uh, and you mentioned uh, migraines. What would be some of the other issues that you see from an indoor air quality uh, start? Allergies. Um, a lot of scents that's out there causes allergies. And even though we can't, don't tell people that they can't wear this or that, um, I mean, having when Axe was so huge with our high school population, the body spray and stuff, I had students daily coming in with asthma issues um, just from the smell of fragrance that somebody had used that morning. Um, so it just goes to show how careful we have to be what we're putting into the air to keep these kids safe during the day. So you're talking about after PE class and they came back to the classroom and all smelled like uh, whatever body deodorant wasn't a good thing. You've got it. <laughs> Been there, seen it. Don't do it. But hey, um, so what, what are the other issues that we're talking about? I mean, I, I know I talk about asthma because it's personal to me. Uh, migraines. Um, what? What else do you see? I mean, because a school nurse, you know, I always wondered, could you tell me how many students are in the school that have whatever it is? But we, yes. you may, there's also eczema, you know, like for kids, there's certain environmental allergens that bother their skin and they end up with eczema and they're itching. And we've had kids that, you know, were itching so much they had sores and some even to the point where they were weeping sores and had to stay out of school. So the environment plays a big part in being in the classroom. Even um, a child that has a cat in their home and they come and they sit beside a kid with um, an allergy to a cat, that cat dander on that person sitting next to them can even affect them. So, you know, there's, there's several things and it, and it is migraines and it's eczema and it's asthma and it's sinusitis. Um, it's headaches, it's allergies, like Terry mentioned, you know, it's just so many things It can bother their eyes, make their eyes sting. Um, so I think, I think there's just numerous things that can be listed from this. Renee, I, I, keep, I keep seeing your head go like this. You're wanting to talk, so. Yeah. 
Well, I would even throw in um, anxiety can be triggered by smells as well. And when we're talking about, um, you know, like cologne or the air fresheners and the pets, we also have to think about noxious odors from art supplies or uh, from cooking, maybe a class is doing cooking. What about the school bus that's idling outside the window of the classroom? I mean, the list goes on and on of things that we can monitor and that we should be looking for that might be a potential trigger or problem for our students. You know, and, and as I'm hearing you say this, ladies, we can't eliminate all of these things. And no. I don't think that's what we're trying to say here in the podcast. No. I hear you say, we need to be aware of it. We need yes. to do what we can. Um, these always have been an issue. We're becoming more sensitive to them. Is there a reason why we're more sensitive? <laughs> I mean, physically. I mean, I, 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 I know for me, I'm 65. My body is more sensitive to things, but you're talking young children uh, along with adults. Um, is it that we've just got more medical issues? Do you see more medications that, that these students are on? I think we've just learned a lot through COVID about indoor air quality. I mean, I think it's really brought it more to the surface. I don't think that we have more students with those. Do you girls? Do you think we have more students? I don't know. I think we just, I think we're better at recognizing them. I think even over the last decade, because when um, Missouri made it that every school had to have um, uh, what was an, an allergy or an allergy response yeah. plan policy mm -hmm. or plan? Mm -hmm. um, one of the big things that came up then was no air fresheners unless it's been approved by the district. No um, plug-in fragrances, no candles, that kind of thing. Um, so I think that we've been realizing that as we see asthma, Deb, you can you're better at the asthma side of it than I am. But we do, are seeing an increase in asthma right now with our kiddos. Um, we see those numbers going up every year. Now, is it because of air quality all over? You know, throughout the world, is it? We don't know why exactly. We don't have that trigger point at this point. But I do feel like we've been working on air quality for quite some time. But I think that the work that we did through the pandemic has made it even more important. It has shown a larger group of people how important that it is. Um, so I think that's why you're hearing more about it. So Deb, she mentioned, you know, the numbers I used to uh, state back probably 15 years ago with the mayor that it was uh, one in 10 adults, one in 13 children with asthma. Is that still a good number? Yes, that is. It's about 10% nationally of children have asthma, 10 to 13. So you're, you're right on on that. And, um, you know, the, the food allergies in the past several years have, I think, tripled. Um, and I don't know if that's more um, identification is part of it. You know, we have more um, science to identify the food allergies, more knowledge about what the symptoms are of food allergies. But 
food allergies, allergies, asthma. I do think we, um, you know, over the past 30 years, we're seeing more and more. And I don't know, you know, like, is it, is it the chemicals that, you know, are used with, you know, our food and different things? Has it changed their bodies? Or again, is it just where our science is better? I live in a rural area, a farming area, and I've often worried about the chemicals that are used in farming. You know, they, they spray defoliant on the cotton and um, we usually, you know, have a lot of trouble with kids coming in with headaches during that time, sinus trouble, asthma is really bad during that time. This year, they didn't spray as much defoliant. They did other methods, but still, even when they're burning off the wheat crops, you know, that we've just gone through that part, and the amount of particles in the air when they're burning off those crops is very high. And they're finding, you know, Dr. Kramer with Southeast, he's um, in, with environmental science there, you know, they are finding a lot of studies that show how many uh, chemicals are in that air when they burn off the crops. So, I think there's a lot of factors involved. You know, I live in the highest tobacco use area uh, per, per population. And um, so I think those are all factors that we deal with. And then like Terry mentioned about the, the policy that came out about the scented products. Oh gosh, what a challenge. You know, I became labeled as the um, scented police because I'd walk in the classroom and it smells like vanilla. And I'm like, why does it smell like vanilla? And then the teacher starts trying to hide the plug-in or um, I shared a couple of pictures with you, Dave, with, um, you know, um, they were talking in one of your previous podcasts about how the, the urinal mats, they put targets on it for the kids oh, to try yeah. urinal oh, mats. Yeah. In my district, we use a urinal screen for deodorizer. And when that policy came out, we came to an agreement that they could still use those urinal screens in the in the boys' urinals. And that was agreed upon. But I started finding them, and that's the picture I shared with you. I started finding those urinal screens everywhere. Like they oh, were I knew you were going to say that. Room deodorizers, hanging them on the wall, hanging them on air returns. I mean, they were everywhere. And, and that's because that was the only product I had said okay to that was a deodorant. So that scented thing. Then, that, then you had to go in and make a new policy. Folks, remember, <laughs> only in the urinal. I mean, yes. you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I deal with this with custodians. I'm sorry, ladies. But, you know, it's like a toilet bowl mop is not made to wash the water fountain with. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't care what you said you stuck it in. And I had this custodian that said, well, yeah, but I've got a bucket of disinfectant here that's only for, I go, I don't care. That is a toilet bowl mop. You do not use it to clean the water fountain with. Uh, yeah, it looks in the back room and he keeps giving me little notes over here, folks. Uh, well, Luke, if you're in the back room, we're going to have to pull you in the conversation with some of your remarks here. Uh, yeah, he said he's seen... Uh, the, the urinal mats as air fresheners, but I don't know that I like his comment very creative. Um, I'm not <laughs> sure I agree with that. Uh, I don't know what it was when I first saw it hanging on the wall. I'm like, what in the world? And then uh, I figured it out and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm kind of like Luke. I thought it's creative of the people to start hanging. I, I think you bring, what, you're, what you are bringing up, ladies, though, is this is the difference between, and I deal with this with contract cleaners all the time, there is a difference between what we do at home and residential in our own personal environments and what we do within a commercial building where the public is there. 
And as a, a public facility, you and I are responsible for those people's health and well-being. Um, and, and, you know, I just never have understood why, and I, I don't want to be beating up on teachers, but I find that, as you have said, um, the, that, that, to use Luke's words, creativity, um, it's just, uh, we've got to remember, folks, that the, the, this is a, a commercial environment. This is not your home. I think something that's very frustrating there to me and Terry and, and Renee can chime in is situations like, you know, the big boom with essential oils. And I'm not saying they work or they don't work. That's not my point here. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a researcher. I don't know. But what I will say is that when you're wanting essential oils in your child's classroom, you got to think about there's 18 other kids in that classroom or 30 other kids. And it may be affecting some of them negatively, you know, and that's what you have. There's more than just your child in that room. And those essential oils can can bother some, you know, they can really be a factor. And then when you put it on your child, you know, on their skin and then they smell like strong peppermint or something all day, you know, that can affect other people. And so I like what you're saying, Dave, about your home and the school are two different places. Yeah, your, your personal environment your personal environment. The rest of us don't have to deal with that. Um, when you bring your personal environment into the commercial environment, then it becomes our environment. And I have something to say. And now you've infringed on. And I think this is back to that food allergy because uh, kids and, and adults that have peanut allergies, just the oil of somebody eating peanuts in their environment and their breath back to indoor air quality, them eating it and that coming out, um, I've seen people go into shock from it. Mm -hmm. uh, Renee, you started to say something, I think. Um, yes, I was gonna kind of piggyback on what Deb was saying earlier. You know, having worked in the school building for 22 and a half years, it was so amazing to me to see how most people would be oblivious, I mean, truly oblivious, because those things didn't bother them. Right. But if you had one person, like I had one teacher who uh, the room next to her started using the Sensi when they weren't supposed to, and she came to me and she was literally struggling to breathe. And, you know, they just don't know. They don't see it. They don't understand it because it's not really affected them. But we know as nurses, because we have seen it, we have witnessed it, and the struggles that people have when they are allergic or sensitive to those things. And, 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 and Renee, to what you're saying, people cannot see what's happening to my lungs. No. They can't see what's happening to my heart. Right. You know, these are the two issues I have. I'm just talking about me personally, so I'm not trying to Im impose on anybody else. But, you know, but that that's the issue you're saying here is we have to be aware. And I think by the conversations of guys and you've had, uh, I'm glad we got the wake up call for the last two years. My only concern, lady, is is I'm not so sure that the lessons learned are going to be long lasting. Or am I wrong? Well, I, I'm happy to say that I think that in the school setting, 
that we don't usually go backwards with those policies. Okay. All right. Um, That's why we're talking here. That's why we're having an open discussion. And so, I mean, yes, we, we're not all masked like we used to be, you know, a year ago or two, however long ago it was. Um, I can't believe that I can't even think whether it was one, was it six months ago? <laughs> Time yeah. to fly by. Uh, but, um, but I do feel like in the school setting, especially our facilities managers really, really take their job seriously. And once they learn that something, it's really affecting the health of students, I mean, they stay with that. And I don't think in the school settings. Now, do I think in the general population? Yeah, we're seeing probably the bathrooms, not washing hands as frequently and that kind of thing um, that we were seeing previously. But I do think there's still that awareness out there, at least in the healthcare personnel and in your facilities um, management, that we are seeing that continue on. So do school boards, uh, I don't want to make this sound bad, but I don't know how to say it right, I guess, but is is the school boards on board with moving forward or is there just too much public pressure to ebb and flow with whatever the political environment is? I, you know, I'm concerned there. And maybe this is the wrong place for me to ask that question. <laughs> but I mean, you know, when it comes to indoor air quality and these policies that we're talking about, I agree with you. We have learned, we do have, and as Luke said, we have the checklist, we have the standards. You know, Kyle says we have the stuff. Saloom is saying, you know, we've got challenges ahead of us. The, the supply chain is going to be rough. You know, but I'm thinking ultimately, like you said, though, Terry, Somebody had to approve that you could use that air freshener in the urinal, but um, the school board somewhere along the line has got to be the ones drawing that line. In, in my district, I have found the school board and the administration to be very supportive. I hear some school nurses, or we see it on the listserv, where some school nurses aren't that fortunate. Um, I'm in one of those schools where we don't have a, a specific... Um, plant manager. I'm in a, a small, not 500 small, but we have about 2,000 students. So the assistant superintendent, he is the uh, transportation supervisor, okay. the certified teachers, um, over the custodians, over the facilities, over the athletics. So he does have a lot of those roles and he tries to do a very, and he does do a very good job with it. I'm thankful Renee mentioned about the Missouri Kids Team Project, and our district has uh, been involved in that, and our assistant superintendent and our superintendent have been on that team and been at the meetings, and they're very supportive to doing these practices to improve air quality, improve the health of the children, and, and you know, the end result is what someone said, um, I think uh, Luke said it on a previous podcast about attendance. When you improve the air quality and you then you improve the health of your building, your staff, your students, your attendance goes up and it makes you money. Um, not that, you know, that's our focus, but it well, does yeah. come into play. So it sure makes the world go along a lot better when you got money to be able to do those things, Deb. I mean, you know, <laughs> you're uh, right. yeah. yeah, you're not there to make money. You're there to educate kids. But, you know, it, there's still a budget. Mm-hmm. Got to have it from somewhere. 
keeping those kids healthy and safe. You know, I think we keep talking about the kids, but I'm also thinking about, you know, I know whenever I was working, I, I lived in Rolla for 35 years and uh, dealt with the Rolla Public Schools and Columbia Public Schools. And one of the things that we recognized was one third of the community goes through a public school every single day that it's open. You're talking about the community at large, not just the kids. And I think this is one of the things that I always said is, folks, wake up. One third of the community. There isn't another single entity that I know of, ladies, that has that much impact. What I was going to say a little bit earlier that kind of piggybacks on that as well is, you know, we learned a lot about air quality. I mean, we all knew that, you know, we've been talking about pollution and things like that for years, but the focus more of what is actually going on inside the school building. And so um, there have been grants available for schools, ESSER funds, and I think there may still continue to be more grants that come out from the government regarding um, getting HEPA filters and filtration and HVAC and things like that upgraded in school buildings. And I think that's wonderful. Well, and I think that's what I was going with the school board question is that I think that uh, some people may believe that there is a pushback. I don't believe that's true anymore. I, I think there used to be a lot more misunderstanding, uh, a lot more, I've got my thing to worry about, you worry about yours, and we'll try to get together maybe sometime. But I think that what has happened over the last two and a half years is it's been a more cohesive approach to it, which I truly, truly hope continues. Yes, we do too. It has made, I feel like it's made our jobs easy, somewhat easier, because we've got a team approach, but then it adds a lot too. Um, but things can get done a lot quicker when we work um, together instead of separate little areas. And we are finding that pretty quickly um, over the last two years that we had to work together as a team. Well, Terry, I think what you were about ready to say is it's made it easier, but then again, we've got more things to do. But I think knowledge has created that awareness. Those issues, as Renee said earlier, were always there. Mm -hmm. We just now have a focus on them and now I can't go hide under a rock and say, I don't know. Right. But like I had never, you know, heard Luke Gard speak, you know, and, and now I hear him, I go to, he's at our conferences, he's at the school nurse conference. So I think we're learning so much more. I, we were forced into it, sadly, but now we're, we're, we are learning so much. I like to listen to Luke. I like to listen to John Kramer from Cape. You know, we're hearing about how to make our buildings healthier and it's an important thing to school nurses. So I agree, Terry, you know, like it, it has made things, some things a lot easier and better and, and it has created, you know, some additional workforce, but it's helping us in our end results. So that makes it all okay, you know, that we're all working together. And ultimately, Deb, that's what we're here for is we're here to make a safe environment, you know, for everyone that is involved, no matter who they are. 
And I going back to the school board issue, I think that it's hard for any school board to argue when they're listening to the so-called experts that are coming to them with information saying this is really hurting our air quality um, and causing problems with breathing for our staff and our students and our people that walk in our building, whether it's a parent or a young visitor or a grandparent. Um, it makes it a little harder to argue against going with some of those better policies. It was very yeah. difficult at the beginning of COVID when they came out with all those products that, you know, you could set in the bus and it sprays the whole bus at night and it disinfects it and all this stuff, or you put it in the weight room and everything's disinfected. But when I could take the articles and the information like from Luke and stuff and show my superintendent, you know, and he could share with the board, this is not a practice we should do. I mean, one person actually bought a bunch of those sprayers. I forget how much money and ended up being told to send it, send it back to the company. But, you know, it's because people came out with the best practices for us. You know, and I think what you're talking about, we did see, and especially from my side in the cleaning industry, we saw a tremendous amount of everybody throwing everything at the wall so that they could grab a share of the pie of the money that was uh, being thrown around. Um, unfortunately, some of that was really, really bad and was only there to take your money. There was some good things that had come out of that. But, you know, I go back to this, ladies, and uh, I know this isn't quite your expertise, but I think you'll understand what I'm saying here is that there's some general practices that have always rang true and still do. And I apply those in the cleaning industry back to what Luke was and Saloon were talking about, about the charging, is that, and, and you might have missed a little subtle word that was used in there, but I want to bring this up as a final note here. Whenever we use cleaning chemicals, which I know that some of these chemicals are, are on this list that the kids get to fill out before they come back to school, bring these things with them, and I'm not going to mention by name these pop-up wipe things. Yes. But I'm very big on what is on the label and what does the label tell me that I should know. And when you think about this, when we wash our dishes at home or anywhere for that matter, we scrape off the gross debris. We pre-clean it in some form. I don't care whether it's with soap or water or whether it's with the fork just pushing the dirt, you know, the, the lasagna off the plate. Then we put it into some kind of water with a chemical to wash it, to agitate, to scrub. And when it comes to disinfection, there's another step. But you cannot disinfect the lasagna that's still on the plate. I don't care what method you use. You can't just spray it in the air. You have to pre-clean this yes. material off of that surface. And this was the big thing during all of the COVID thing that people weren't doing. But yet we got the indoor air quality bad issue because we were just willy-nilly spraying things around. But ladies, I think there was a lot of people that understood that. But the one last step that I still think that we universally have not understood is the step of rinse. You would not take your plate out of that soapy water and put it back on the shelf. Yeah. You do not take your clothes out of the laundry machine until they've rinsed. 
You don't run your car through the car wash and leave the soap on the car. Folks, we have to rinse these chemicals off. No matter how we apply them, we still have to rinse these chemicals off to provide that safe surface. And I know this is talking now about a surf instead of indoor air, but it goes back to what the gentlemen were talking. We have to be more aware of all of this stuff as we go through it. And I think this is what you're saying. You're now hearing these conversations, which I'm sure you've never heard before. And I don't know about Deb or Renee, but I've read more MSDS sheets in the last two years than I have read in my entire life. Uh-oh, so. I, I think Luke had to come in from the back room. He's sitting there smiling. He just couldn't stand it anymore. So ladies, if you don't mind, before I let you go, Luke's back again. I've just been enjoying this immensely. So um, I, Again, we tried to help um, take some of that legwork out of the nurses. <laughs> um, one of the hats that they were wearing is we tried to assume that role. So I know Deb would constantly reach out asking for product information, making sure it was safe for her, her uh, students and for her uh, staff and things like that. And that's that's what we're here to do. Um, I think the just again, the what is so, so important is that these guys are on the front line and they do, when you think of people in the school that really do have a powerful voice and a voice that usually the community listens to, it's the school nurse. And so if they have good information and if they're implementing good practices, that just resonates through the whole school and through the whole community. Well, I've used the school nurse more than one time in many of my presentations with different school districts. Um, and I would be amiss if I didn't mention, I won't mention by name or the place, but um, I went in and I changed a whole district's approach and was told by another uh, distribution outlet that the school nurse would see that the attendance rate would drop because we weren't using a certain item, a certain product. And so I said, mm hmm, okay. So I got all the numbers, went to the school nurse, told them what we were doing and everything. And over five years, we actually improved the attendance rate and didn't use the product. So I think what I, I've always said, ladies and, and Luke, is that, you know, we can be product focused or we can be people focused. It comes back to people. It, you know, we've learned a lot, but it still takes all of us people to help other people. And the nurses are so wonderful at collecting data. They, and because they have to, um, <laughs> they become a great resource. Just like, as you said, what is our absenteeism? What is our clinic visit rate for our asthmatics? What are the number of injuries that we're sustaining per month? All of these things they have those statistics and that information and then coming from such a credible voice, they really do um, allow and make for and push forward a lot of change that is necessary in these schools. Has change quit, ladies? No, probably not. It doesn't. I think, you know, it's interesting. Um, change is going to happen. It just depends on what we're going to do with it. 
Uh, any parting words before we let everybody go and uh, go on with their afternoon? I would just like to thank really the facility managers, honestly, the whole school team, really. It, it truly is a team effort. So, and it's all about keeping our students and staff safe. So it's uh, great to work with them. And Luke, you have been invaluable uh, in your information you provide and we appreciate it very much. We are just here to support the great things that you guys are doing. In all honesty, that's, that's what we're here to do. Thank you. Does provided a lot of comfort to school nurses um, yes. during COVID. Yes, yes it did. It uh, really, what our facility managers do, what Luke has done has, I truly believe allowed us to keep schools open around the area. Um, and I'm just amazed and I see it in Missouri because that's where I'm at, but the state, the um, professionals from across the state and the experts across the state have really come together um, over the last two and a half years and realized how important we are as a team. And I think, you know, if we have one thing to thank the pandemic for, that would be it, is that healthcare professionals really have become more team than before. And I will say, Dave, you've mentioned about the custodial staff in the schools. I can't say enough about how important they are oh, to, the, yes. to the daily operations and to the health of the staff and students. And sometimes I think we forget, you know, the importance role that they play. Um, so that's another group I'd like to reach out to and thank. 100%. Well, that, as you say that, you just gave me the opening to tell you about a program that we have. We started it about four years ago. It's called Rock Stars of Cleaning. You can find it at rockstarsofcleaning.com. Every year, we highlight and give out a national award to a, a, a winner. We've been taking nominations. Matter of fact, nominations closed this week. Uh, there you go. Luke's got his up there. We're going Aww. to be, we've been taking nominations all year. I'm getting ready to release the four finalists that will go out to nationwide voting. Uh, for two months, people all around the world will be able to vote on those people. We will be announcing at our uh, show in February next year, the national award winner. It is all about the people. Uh, it's about that. that and, and this isn't a, this is, this is more who the person is rather than what they do. But Deb, to your point, uh, there's a lot of frontline people in the cleaning industry that risk their life literally every day, you know, to make sure that other people are taken care of. And I think one of the things that has come out of the pandemic is um, the people that were supplying them with product and practices learned a lot that maybe they weren't quite doing the best that they could do. And that has improved their lives as well. I thank you all for being on the podcast. Uh, this is our fourth podcast here for the Center for Education and Safety, part of the Missouri School Boards Association. There's four podcasts. They're on the front page of the website. Um, you can look that up in the show notes, uh, either uh, on the screen here or in the show notes of our shows. We'll have this on YouTube, and actually we put this out on Podbean. 
Ladies, I thank you. If you have any pictures that you would like for us to include, please send those to me. And folks, if you're listening to this podcast and you've got a question or you have a thought and you think, well, you know what? I wish they would have talked about this or I wish they'd have talked about that. Well, I'm sure that, you know, we probably can talk about that. Um, I'm going to put up here Amy Roderick's uh, email address. She's a director over at the Center of Education Safety, the one that helped put it this all together. And we thank Amy for uh, directing all of this and getting it all together. I think the uh, Missouri Department of Health and Safety was a co-sponsor of this as well. And uh, thank everybody for being a part of this series. You never know. We might have another series of podcasts come up later. Like and share these. You'll find these also at academyofcleaning.com or beyondcleanwith.com. So, everybody, have a good afternoon for what is left, and uh, we'll let you know when this is out uh, for air.